All right, book of First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 13. I believe we got done with chapter 12 last time. Now I'm sure I didn't wear it out. But chapter 13 of First Corinthians. A shorter chapter. But see, with the, we began in chapter 12 and considering spiritual gifts. We're still on that subject. This is a different aspect of the same subject. And we'll still be on the subject in chapter 14. Most of the time you don't hear those taught, hear it taught with that kind of an outline. But that's the way it is. If you're going to follow the scriptures, that's the way it is. All right, chapter 13, I'll just go ahead and read it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part. But then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity... These three, but the greatest of these, is charity. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> now, Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, those folks that believe they have these gifts today, believe that they speak in tongues, they, they imagine that angels have a different language than men do. But there is not one example in the Bible of an angel making an appearance that did not speak the language of the people to whom it came. Angels do not have some gobbledygook gook language that nobody can understand but them. Angels are special uh, spiritual beings created by God 
for specific service around the throne of grace to do God's bidding. We talked about this, I don't know, the other night. No human being becomes an angel when they die. Oh, my little, uh, God gets another angel. You hear that garbage, and that's heresy. That's not scripture. No human being becomes an angel. If If you're a saved individual, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Revelation 7, he asked John, said, Who's a multitude that no one could number? These are they which came out of great tribulation. Human beings. And they're still human beings. Now, when you get your glorified body, that'll be different. Because it won't have any sin in it. I can't tell you how many differences there will be, but it's drastic difference. But we'll still be who we are. If you're a saved man or woman or child, and you die... If you're, a, if you're a, a male, you go to heaven as a male. If you're a female, you go to heaven as a female. You don't go transgender. Regardless of what you cut off or glue on, you're still what you were made, what God made you as, either male or female. That won't ever change. And you do not become something that you're not. God says he knows every hair of our head. Just as he knows numbered all the stars and named all the stars and the sands of the sea. He said, well, I can't imagine a mind. That's, that's, and that's exactly tri- right. You cannot imagine such a, an intellect as God Almighty who knows all. We can't, it's way, David said, I've exercised myself in things that are too high for me. Solomon said, I am but a child, wisest man in the world. He said, I know not how to go out nor to come in. I haven't got it all figured out yet. I haven't got anything figured up because I am finite and God is infinite. All right, so angels do not have a tongue, a language. See, tongue here means language, just like it did chapter 12. Tongue, gloso in the Greek, it means language. Doesn't mean, old brother Ward used to say, talking all them funny languages. And that's what they're talking, they ain't talking no language. Anyway, he said, but even if I could speak with the most eloquent tongue of men and of angels and have not charity I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal sounding brass uh, I don't know if you if you're a percussionist in an orchestra you get to play the, the big drums the snare drums the cymbals you get to play the gong, <laughs> the bells, the coconut shells to make a horse. You, you do all the funny sounds if you're a percussionist. 
Well, symbols are two shaped pieces of brass, and you and it makes a big a big noise. Sounding brass, you click on it. Doesn't matter a whole lot, just the sound. And if you've got all of that and, that, and you have no charity, that's all you amount to. You know, preachers need to remember that. Boy, I preached a great message last night. Really? If that is that what you think of it? If if you really do, you got major problems with it. And I found this out through the years. Messages that I preached, I thought, man. If that won't knock them dead, then somebody said, what were, you, what were you trying to get across? <laughs> and then something I think, well, that, that wasn't worth it, even talking about. I said, man, that was good. I really pre- I learned from that. So you do the best that you can and use all of your, all of your information, all of what the Lord gives you. And you deliver it to the best of your ability. But if it's going to accomplish anything, it'll have to have the Lord to accomplish. And though I have the gift of prophecy. Now, we're talking about spiritual gifts that actually did come on the day of Pentecost. The day that the church that Jesus built was immersed in the Holy Spirit by Jesus According to his promise. According to his prophecy. And the proof that the Holy Spirit was there. Because you see he's not visible to the human eye. To prove he was there. God sent those gifts in some people. In that church that they could speak in languages that they did not know. But those languages were understood by people whom they were speaking to. It was not gobbledygook. And the only reason you ever had to have an an interpreter is if you didn't have anybody there speaking that language. Which could happen sometimes, I guess. Anyway, and though I have the gift of prophecy. Well, that is to prognosticate. And I think that's also teaching because it's what prophets did. If I have that gift and understand all mysteries, I'm not sure about that one. I believe it is what it says it is, but I'm not sure about the practical application of that. And understand all knowledge. Now, I think I grasp that, not understanding all knowledge, but I know what it could mean to understand all knowledge and it be a gift. I don't think you'd live long enough and be able to, to study hard enough and have the capacity to retain it to study up all knowledge. So that would be a gift given of God. And though I have all faith, that is so that I could remove mountains. Now, that's not saving faith. That's faith believing in God to do these miracles. 
Back in Matthew 17 and Mark 11, Jesus said that if you uh, have a faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, be removed and it would go. I used this years ago, said if you could go to Harlan County and you could look up there and say, big black mountain, take off. <laughs> You could. Now they're trying to mountaintop remove it. I hope they don't do that. Tallest mountain in the state. Uh, it's over 4,000 foot. Uh, but that's what the Lord said. It wouldn't take that much faith. All right. And I have not charity. Now charity, that's agape. We know the kinds of love in the Greek language. You have erotic, and that's not even in the New Testament. And then you have phileo, brotherly love. And then you have agape, and that's the God, highest kind of love, godly love. But he says, and, though, and that's what that charity is. Now see, in King James' time, 1611, Charity didn't have the same connotation that it does today. Nobody thinks about charity being love. We think about charity as giving something. Well, I, I could see that it would take some kind of love to give charity, to be charitable. But here in the English, it's charity. But in the Greek, it's, it's love and the highest kind of love. And he says, oh, I have all of those gifts. And have not charity, I am nothing. Now notice this. Another place, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Paul says, without love, you are nothing. Well, you stop and think about that. That eliminates a whole lot of people. All right, so... Now we have a description of love. And I'm sorry to say that the majority of times you hear this chapter preached on, it'll be from verse uh, 4 to about part of verse 8. This is the love chapter. That's what they call it. That's not what this is written for. It's a part of it, but it's not the thing. And when we have no right to say this is it. No, no, no. The word of God, this is it. Amen. And we must, we must expound it in its context. So in keeping with our context, now he's going to describe the kind of love that he's talking about, that we need to have, even if we had these gifts. And they did exist. All right, but now. Charity or love suffers long. Now suffer is tolerates, goes along with. Charity suffers long. <clears throat> well, I just don't feel good today and I ain't putting up with nothing today. That's not what a child of God does. 
child of God has control over the spirit. Amen? Amen. And when you don't have it, you're getting in big trouble. Now, so charity suffers long. It's, and it's kind, always kind. <clears throat> God's people must demonstrate kindness. Always. We need to, husbands, you need to be kind to your wives. Wives, you need to be kind to your husbands. Parents, you need to be kind to your children. Children, you need to be kind to your parents, and that needs to spread with all of our contacts, human contacts. Remember kindness. <clears throat> Charity or love envies not. Boy, I wish I had that. Better watch that. I don't mind somebody having something better than I've got. Not a bit. I'm thankful if you prosper, I'm thankful for you. I just want you to prosper in the Lord. That's what I want. So, charity envies not. Uh, those guys, punks, that did that shooting at Columbine in Colorado. Remember that? I don't know how long ago it was, but several years ago. I, don't have, I forgot how many kids they killed out there. And they all died, too. They planned on dying. But, you know, they got, they got uh, their information, what they and their, I guess their computers, phones, whatever, and writings and all that. There was one football player that was singled out because one of those guys was envy of his physique and his jaw. I guess he was a good-looking guy or something. And the girls liked him. And this guy wasn't. He blew that guy's jaw away because he didn't like him having it and said he was going to do it and did it. Now, folks, <laughs> that's the ultimate of envy, isn't it? There's brothers and bro brothers against brothers and sisters and all. They envy each other. Everybody's different. We're all different. Somebody that works hard and accomplishes something, uh, people say, oh, they're lucky. They're not lucky. They worked hard and dedicated themselves to something. And they accomplished what they did. And here you laying on your butt in bed and doing nothing. And then being envious. That's, you talk about sinful. You talk about gross sin. But charity envies not. Charity vaults not itself. Vault means to lift, lifts itself up. Well, I'm, well, you, the, the, the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee said, Lord, I thank you I'm not like this dude. All that he did, and that dude wouldn't even look up, beat himself on the chest, said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. 
Love vaunts not itself up. Is not puffed up. That has to do with blowing up a balloon. Pop. Wasn't anything in it. It was phony. That's like those little uh, uh, blowfish. We talked about those. You pull them out of the ocean. We used to pull them out there at Titusville in Florida. They got, looked like big baby teeth on top and the bottom. Spiny back. But as soon as you get them out of the water, they're, they're about like that. They start blowing their belly up. Big like a balloon trying to make themselves. That's their defense. Make them look like they're a lot bigger than they are. Then we'd take a, shouldn't have done it, kids, and take a hunting knife. Well, love is not puffed up. Uh, Where is it? Second Corinthians, love, uh, knowledge puffs up. Be careful. Anyway, verse 5, does not behave itself unseemly. That would be not proper. Love does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own. We've got a world that's full of selfishness. And I'm looking out for myself. You look out for yourself. I'm looking out for myself. Love seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. <laughs> but I fly off the handle. I, you, I got a temper. Who doesn't? Why would you say that? I've got a temper. Who doesn't? We've all got a temper. Some of us control it. And some of us don't. Not easily provoked and thinks no evil. We had a woman say one time, she doesn't believe anything about anybody if it's not bad. Anything bad she'll believe about anybody. Was supposed to be a saved woman. Love thinks no evil. There's no end to the accusations that can be made against people. But you know what? It ought to be very, very difficult, especially to get a brother or sister in Christ to think evil about another brother or sister in Christ. Now, I used to, as a kid, I hadn't been taught nearly what I needed to be. But my dear mother, You just couldn't get her to badmouth anybody. I, it wasn't in her. She would not badmouth anybody. You never caught her gossiping against somebody. She wouldn't badmouth anybody. Oh, you know they have a problem now. And she was probably absolutely right. And you want to get mad at them, and they've got a problem, you ought to pray for them and see if you can help them. That's what love would do. 
So, I'm not, I, I've, I've repented of a lot of that with my dear mother. She was right and I was wrong. <clears throat> Love rejoices not in iniquity, <laughs> but rejoices in the truth. Now, we hear a lot about love nowadays from a religious context. And this love, like right now, this month, June, Pride Month, our government lining the streets of downtown Lexington are the homosexual flags. I mean, every other flag is one of those ungodly rainbow flags. That rainbow belongs to God, belongs to God. And they've stole it like they do everything else, but now it means homosexuals, LGBTQ and something else, IA or something else. Who knows what that means now? But all of the wickedness, all of the sexual wickedness that you can imagine is wrapped up into that. And this month, is the month that the United States of America is celebrating all of that abominable, ungodly carrying on. This is the United States of America. And then I hear the preacher say, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people seek my face and pray, I'll heal their land. That was an abbreviation of it. Somebody ought to read that chapter. You can't pick that scripture out of that chapter and apply that to the United States of America. It does not apply. If you don't believe me, read that whole seventh chapter, or four, let's say, yeah, seventh chapter of Second Chronicles. You know what was going on that day? Solomon and all of Israel were dedicating the brand new built temple of God. Now the Bible tells us that in this day and age, the temple of God is the church of God, the pillar and ground of the truth, the kind of church uh, assembly that, that Jesus built. So now we figured out, that, I think, Randy, you remember that, we figured out that by today's standards, and that was probably a few years ago that I figured that. It may be more than that now. Solomon offered up a minimum of $69 million. Boys, that'd run you for a while, wouldn't it? <clears throat> Not counting what all of the Israelites offered. And they had so many burnt offerings going on the altar, they had to use another in the middle of the temple. And the whole country was participating in the dedication of the house of God. Amen. Now I asked you, how many governments, state, local, and even the federal government are participating in honoring God through his true churches. Did you say zero? You guessed it. 
Zero. There's nothing going on in this country to approximate what was going on in Solomon's day. You cannot tell me that does not apply. And I wish the preachers would ever read that chapter and shut their mouths because that's not going to happen in any way, shape, matter, or form. Now, you say, well, there's no hope for us. Well, I'll tell you what, there is hope in Jesus Christ. But I don't know about this country. As a matter of fact, if God doesn't judge us pretty soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We've gone way past Sodom and Gomorrah now. We've got men getting married and women getting married to women and to men. Freak marriages. And everybody says it's legal. Oh, it's good. And just so they love each other. Oh, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, love bears all things. Well, I've got to have somebody to unload on. Do you ever say that? Let me tell you what, if you're a child of God, you better watch that unloading on people. Bears all things, that means you hold it up. You hold it in. We've got the one to unload on, and that's the Lord. We don't need to bring down our parents our brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, bring them down with all of your stuff. Take it to the Lord. Hold it in. Don't run your mouth. Believeth all things. Now that's not all doctrines. But believe all, all things that are believable. Hopeth all things, endureth all things. So, well, I just can't, I, I, I'm going to have to quit. No, endureth all things. Did you see, did you see John, 95 years old, banished on the Isle of Patmos? Did you see him quitting? He's right there in the thick of it. Ha, 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 ha. Said, so, well, he can't do what he used to. Well, it goes without saying. But he's still doing what he can do. Amen. And he says, yes, Lord, even so come, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> then, charity never faileth. Now, verse 8. Love never stops. But what's he talking about? The gift. It never stops. But whether there be prophecies, they shall stop. Fail, that's what that is, stop. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, it was all oh, well you still still get the gifts. No, you can't. All oh, you just gotta pray and get the gifts. Well, I tell you what, when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, 
led by Joshua. They got into the promised land. It says, the manna ceased. And they ate of the old corn of the land. True enough, God showed miracle after miracle to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and into the wilderness, desert wilderness. And all through that 40 years, God sent streams and that arid desert that they had plenty of water came from the rock. And that rock was Christ. But the rock didn't move. The streams came. And they had plenty of water for their crops and for their uh, animals and for their people. And God sent them food. He rained food down from heaven. Oh, that's just a, a story. No, that's an historical account. Amen. That's how God... Can you imagine... I think there were about 6 million Jews. I think I can pretty, pretty effectively prove that. Can you imagine the logistics of providing food for 6 million people in the desert? Can you? I don't think there's an army that could do it. I don't think there is. But God did it effortlessly. Every morning they got out. And there was that, that manna, that, that miracle bread, wonder bread. And they gathered enough for today. Then on the sixth day, they gathered enough for the sixth and the seventh day. Because you couldn't go out on the seventh day and pick it up. Folks, that went on for 40 years. You say, well, did, was it nourishing? Oh, was it ever they flourished on it. They got upset with it. But they were glad to get back on the manna, I think. When God got done with them, I think they were glad to get back on the manna. But folks, that's how they ate. They didn't have any way of providing food for themselves. God provided. Miraculously. But, that day that they entered into the promised land and the manna ceased. Now here's old uh, Jimmy Swagger or I don't name some more of those guys. Ken Copout or Copeland. Uh, name all them guys. How'd you just get on your knees and pray and send me an offering and, and, and God will, will perform a miracle and send you some manna. So you got that offering in there too, didn't you? It'll never happen. At times God uses miracles. At times he doesn't. John the Baptist did no miracle. And yet he was full of the Holy Spirit. So God uses different means at different times. And so... Did they have the gifts? Yes. And there was a reason for it, and I'll tell you in just a minute. They did have those gifts. But you have to understand those gifts are not going to last forever. He says, 
whether there be prophecies, they shall cease. Now, let's see. Let me give you a prophecy. Genesis 3.15. The seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Bruises head, bruises heel. That's the first prophecy of the gospel ever preached. Was it true then? And it was true 2,000 years ago. Is it true today? It's fulfilled, but it's true. Ten million years in eternity, will we not still rejoice in the prophecy of Genesis 3.15? Prophecy, scriptural prophecy, is not going to cease or fail. It's going to go on. What he's talking about is the gift of prophecy. It will cease. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Now what does the Bible say? Our tongues shall be still praising thee throughout all eternity. Though I die in this life, my eternal spirit I will be using my spiritual tongue to praise the Lord forever. Tongues shall not cease, but the gift of tongues will. All right? Whether there be knowledge. It is true that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal 24-hour days. Will that ever not be true? That'll be true throughout all eternity. So what knowledge will cease? The gift of knowledge will cease. It shall vanish away. That is the gift. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. What did not those people have at the church at Corinth, this somewhere is about 63 A.D., uh, after the day of Pentecost, 33. This has been a goodly bit after that. What is it that they did not have all of? It was in part. The Word of God. They didn't have it all. It hadn't even been written yet. So he said, we know in part. We prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come. Now that word perfect does not mean what many people think it means. It's from the same Greek word that Jesus said, teleo on the cross. It is finished. It is brought to completion. It is brought to fulfillment. When that which is perfect or complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. What was in part? The gifts. They didn't have, you say, well, I wish we said I had some of them gifts. No, we've got this. We've got the complete word of God. They didn't have that. They had to depend on somebody standing up in the service and saying, I've got a prophecy from the Lord. And give us something that you could turn to chapter 
book, chapter, and verse and read it for yourself. They didn't have the word of God. Now the holiness that get into this, they don't care about that because they don't study the Bible anyway. I've had them tell me I don't believe care what that thing says. I've had them tell me that. Oh, that's when I shake my foot, the dust off my feet. But anyway, what is perfect is the word of God. And it was finished about 95 AD with the book of the Revelation, which completed the whole Canaan of the 66 books of the Bible. And they, the gifts began to die out. All right. Now, when I was a child, I spake as a child. Those early believers are compared to a child. You can't tell everything to a child that doesn't understand it. You've got to give, break it down and give it to him or her. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. The gifts are the childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. We still don't know it all. Even with the complete word of God. This is what God intends for us to have. There's more. He hadn't told us everything. So there is a sense in which we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. People that are with the Lord right now. They don't need to go to the Bible to find out what's going on. That's not a put down of the Bible. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. But in the meantime, remains faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. When I die, I will no longer need faith. When I die, I no longer will have to have hope. But love will always be there. All right, we'll quit. We've got 